Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, hostess with the mostest, matcha snob, and unapologetically bad at small talk. Seriously, tell me about your childhood. And I'm Joan Carnachon, queen of messy conversations, skincare junkie, and highly allergic to bullshit. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where together we will navigate the vital conversations that lift shame and shift paradigms. Our deepest desire is to normalize rewriting the narratives women have been taught about pleasure, money, power, sexual expression, and self-sovereignty. So join us each week for unfiltered, raw dialogue that educates, empowers, and hopefully entertains, or at the very least, makes the hard topics feel a little safer. And oh, by the way, when we say women, we are speaking to humans who identify with the divine feminine nature, non-binary royalty, our sacred sluts, the matriarch in the rising, and those of us who are still trying to figure their shit out. You guys know I love a good disclaimer, so here goes. We are not to be mistaken for doctors, lawyers, clinically trained psychologists, therapists, or your mother. But we are someone's mom. If you True. think this state is going well, subscribe to our show. And community means everything to us, so make sure to tell a friend or like all of your friends. Hey, hey, hey. What up, you guys? We're back, bitches. <laughs> but no, really, we're back. <laughs> Seriously, for real this time, though. I know it's like there was hiatus at the end of last year because I had a baby and I was doing this by myself and it was the holidays and I was like, I cannot even. And then we brought on a co-host, Joe. She moved yeah. in full time, even yep, though she was, she was like, you know. She was a, an unofficial co-host for several months. We made it official. She moved in. We got on a real good streak, and then life continued to happen in a really intense way. And we got we got pummeled a little bit. We got a little pummeled. <laughs> we got we got tossed in the waves. Like I love how you're like we got pummeled. I'm over here like I'm just still licking my wounds. <laughs> I got thrashed. I got thrashed on a surf. Is I got road rash. I got coral coral rash. Yeah, I got I got coral reef stuck in my butt, <laughs> and not in a good way. Oh God, is there a good way to have coral reef stuck in your butt? It's kind of sharp. <laughs> Honestly, don't feel like that's gonna pan out great. No, in no, any scenario. No. Mm. But all of that aside, we both we are gonna come back next episode. We are still doing bi-weekly. So just resetting from the top, magical people. We are back. It's going to be consistent. Your moms are here and <laughs> we're, we're still doing bi-weekly. So there will be a new episode starting this week and coming every other week. We are moving from Wednesday to Thursday because that feels spacious and great, but we're just really excited to come back and bring next level content guests, personal musings, <laughs> purging and processing <laughs> in real time. We're just really excited to be back with you guys in community and creating and having these really vital conversations that turn us on and light us up and shift paradigms and all of the things. Mm, yeah. It feels really good to be back. I mean, it was funny because I remember feeling very 
nervous about recording this particular episode because it's like, I, I know I'm out of touch in terms of everything. I mean, I took a hard halt on life. And so coming back, it was like, oh God, am I even gonna have words? And really just felt like, felt like we kind of picked up out of, you know, out of the last episode we recorded and shared, which I don't even remember when that was, to be honest. It was lease. We, oh, we, we right. all got a new lease on life that day. We did. And we had lease Wilcox in here. <laughs> it was incredible. And that was a great one to go out on because the energy was so high and the quality of our connection and just the topics that we were discussing, it was so nourishing and so, I mean, it was high vibrational on just a soul level and I, and I loved it. And so I think leaving on that note was really gorgeous. And now we are re-entering on another fucking high note. And I'm so, so excited to share today's guest with you, today's conversation, you Mm. know, coming in, uh, in space and time, it is the week following mother's day that this is being released. And I thought that was a really poignant moment to have this conversation. We are discussing the mother wound with the gorgeous Moshatati Lahamela. She was just incredible. Her insight around this topic, which has been, it's coming more and more into mainstream and especially in the self-development, you know, female entrepreneur kind of space, it is being talked about, but it needs to be a global conversation. It's Mm -hmm. so important. It is something that impacts every single human walking around. And we talk about the difference between, and not even the difference, but the compounding impact mm. of our individual mother wounds that, as she says many times over, are so specific to your relationship with your mother and the nuance and the layers of your personal story on top of the collective mother wound that we're all experiencing all the time because it's based in patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, I loved how she broke it down in in the different layers that it impacts all, all of us. Because when we take a look at just where we are culturally and society-wise and just who we are as humans, I mean, we are all impacted by the mother wound in some way, shape, or form because of the patriarchal system that we do live in and reside in and continue to breathe in. And so it is a deep unraveling of all of that. And I love this conversation so much because there is so much of even my own journey as a mom, as we were kept on unpacking this conversation where I was like, oh my God, that, yes, this, yes. Can I keep on snapping silently as she's talking? Because it just, it was just incredible. I mean, my whole body was tingling throughout this entire conversation. And- Oh, so sorry. No, no. And I mean, I just like- (laughs) I'm still, I'm still kind of on a high from it for reals, you know? Yeah. Sorry. I, you like took, you breathed. You like took a second to breathe <laughs> and I thought you were done talking. Uh, yeah. I, I started in a really weird place because I'm very, especially when it comes to podcasting, even though we're so let it all hang out, there was this, a little bit of anxiety about like having been gone for so long and feeling rusty and feeling just a little out of it, like a little out of the groove. We haven't, we didn't really have a uh, kind of warm up combo or anything before jumping in with her. And the second she entered the the room, the Zoom room, 
she just has a presence. And I mean, this in the best way, an intensity about her and the way she speaks about this topic that I found myself so drawn in by her that I couldn't, I had such a hard time staying in like a, a host seat. I had a hard time staying connected Mm -hmm. to the questions, like kind of staying out of the conversation enough to guide, you know, to guide or ask like really thoughtful questions because I was so into listening to her and looking at her that I, it was like distracting. I would, Mm -hmm. I would have to snap myself out of it to try to think of a good question. Cause I, my, my brain was just kind of running in a, in, in loops. I was just having all of these personal realizations while I was listening to her. And it was hard to come out of my own headspace in order to participate in the conversation. So I felt like I was having an interesting experience of watching the conversation from afar, but also being so in it that I couldn't, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. I mean, I I love that you put it in that way because I, I didn't, I couldn't find the words for that. Like I really, I was like, I just, I just want to listen to you and just continue to listen to you. Like I, I agree. I mean, I felt the same. I was like, I can't even, there is no hosting in this. Like, can you please just take the lead Mm. and really just, just speak from a place of pure, like divine mother wisdom was what I felt. Which, which she did. I mean, Mushatati is a life coach, but she focuses specifically on issues around the mother wound and she designed her work to equip survivors of maternal neglect, abuse, and abandonment. And that was so clear in just she really has a, an advocate's voice. Mm-hmm. She is able to speak to the grace and the compassion, but she also gives you permission for the shadow side of all of the emotions that so many of us struggle to feel. And one, I mean, you, you know, the moment, the moment that blew both of us up, <laughs> we're like trying to keep our shit together so that we can host the show. And she expressed this sentiment that you know, I won't go into all of it. I'll, we'll let you listen to it, but essentially just saying that, you know, the ego sometimes seeks is seeking revenge. Like the language Mm. was so poignant. It was like, your ego seeks revenge for the inner child who didn't receive what she deserved. And just the, the vivid and strong feelings that, that came up that were elicited by that really specific activated language was so it was an out that was an outer body experience I mean you just saying that in that moment like I felt resonance from even the first moment I heard it and it was one of those things where I just was like holy shit I don't know what happened in my body but something did Mm -hmm. something did so I don't know I mean I don't I mean is there anything else that we should say I think like we just need a to let it everyone listening. Yeah. I mean, it's the typical, (laughs) I, I will, I always feel like I have to do a, uh, an admin note, housekeeping note, the audio quality. So she is in South Africa. She was speaking to us at 10 o'clock at night while her kids were in bed, which was incredible. And we're so grateful to her. We are going to be linking her Instagram and her Twitter in the show notes. So if this work, if you are listening to this conversation and you feel like it's time to start digging into this more, you, you want to understand how this shows up in your life more. You want to understand what it looks like and what are some practical ways you can begin to be a better mother to yourself in order to move through the trauma surrounding mother wounding. 
reach out to her. She is an incredible resource. She is so wise and just, there's not enough words. There's not enough words. Mm. And I don't even get me started on this woman's tits. <laughs> we we, we give them, we, we pay adequate. We paid well, homage. Yes. We paid homage at the end. So we won't, we won't do it now. I don't want her to feel like we only brought her here for one reason. <laughs> the we're, mother not, wound. we're not objectifying her. We're honoring her. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely a whole lot of honoring towards the end. She so. is the entire package. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys, so it was so good. She's a so goddess. Good. I don't, yeah, I don't think we should. I don't know if there's anything else to say. We we love you guys. We're so excited to be back. Have grace for the uh for the the echoey-ness. None of us are audio engineers. That's our next step. That's us moving up. <laughs> that is us leveling up. Is getting That'll someone in here up. who knows <laughs> what the hell they're doing in garage band. That's our next goal. That's our stretch goal <laughs> to get somebody in here to edit this shit. <laughs> Uh, well, you guys, I hope you guys all enjoy Mokitati and yeah, let us know what you think. Hit us up on the gram. Let's continue this conversation and we hope you find some real deep healing. Also bring your notebooks, your journals, and your pen to this episode because you will definitely want to be taking some notes. We brought you here to speak about a topic that is starting to become mainstream, especially Mm -hmm. in the personal development, coaching, self-help world. But it's something that I think is, we desperately need it to become a global conversation. And it's, I love the work that you're doing around it. And that the topic is the mother wound. And you guys have heard Joe and I chat about that briefly here and there, because we've both been exploring that on our own, but Moshe Tani is a expert in this field. And so we brought her here to teach all of you, not only what the mother wound is, but how to identify it and how to begin healing your own, because we all like everyone suffers from it. Yeah. Every single one of us do. And I mean, we were just having this brief conversation about how each of us are exploring that. And I actually just got off a conversation about that. So this Mm -hmm. is really, really exciting to me just because, I mean, first off, I think for all of us here sitting at this, this, this conversation, we all got to the work that we do now for a particular personal reason for ourselves. And I'd love to know Moshe Dadi, like, how did you get into this? And yeah. How did you get into working in, in this area so specifically on the mother wound? Well, for me, it started off with my own, you know, mother wounds and trying to heal my mother and not finding the tools for it anyway, right? There are books that are written about it, but there seems to be like stuffy stuff. They don't want to go deeper. They want to, you know, steal a piece to society's denial about, you know, the fact that the mother wound exists. And for me, it was that journey and trying to heal my mother wound and, and then being brave enough to share it, right, with my social media and all of that. And people started asking and people wanted me to help them as well. So that's just how the work was bought. Like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. so there's a need for this. People are seeing my mm-hmm. story. They're seeing themselves in my story. And they're saying, how can I, you know, approach my own mother? And then I had to do a lot of research on that. And then also just 
talking to other people, interviewing other people. What is, you know, what are you experiencing? And then realizing that this is not just something that's happening to me. You know, a whole lot of people are suffering from a mother wound and there seems to be the silence about it. And I wanted to just bring it to light so that people have that voice that says, well, I see you. You know, I'm validating your pain. And, you know, there's, there's something that you can do about that. So that's basically how the work mm. got to be born. It was my own mother wound, my own relationship with my mother, which was difficult for years. Right? And for the longest time, I was in denial about it. Obviously, because I wanted to idealize my mother. I wanted to, and that was sort of a coping mechanism for me. If I idealized my mother and I created stories of a happy childhood and all of that, even though I didn't remember much of my childhood because of the trauma, uh, then I wasn't then I didn't have to deal with the pain of that relationship. So the awareness of that pain came with having to unravel so much. And, and that's just how the work began. It was my own healing. I feel like much of my work is about me healing myself and then other people coming into it and saying, well, um, that resonates with me. And, and, and it got to a point where I've dealt with so many things, but I still talk about them because of the other people need them. And I know what it feels like to have been in a place where you didn't have the tools. So that's just how the work um, came to be. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. I feel like the mother wound is one of those things that until someone explains what it is mm-hmm. like it's something we have all we've all felt but we don't have the language yes. to describe mm-hmm. what's, what's been happening yeah. so would you mind like for the people listening that maybe this is the first time they're ever hearing of it yeah. could you what is the mother wound well for me I don't explain the mother wound in one sentence because it's much more layered that's one thing that I realized when I was killing mine but there is the personal mother wounds that is emanating from my relationship with my mother, the difficulties in that relationship, how she treats me, the abuse in that relationship, you know, that sort of thing. That is personal to me. That is my personal mother wound. That is the pain that is caused by my relationship with my mother, right? And then there's the second layer. That is the cultural mother wound. This is experienced by all women, actually, from different cultures because it is born out of patriarchy you know, how uh, women are supposed to carry themselves in society, how women are supposed to see themselves. And we see mothers being the gatekeepers of that sort of teachings in their household. You know, they're the first ones to tell us, comb your hair, no one's going to marry you. You know, uh, just tailoring us to that sort of patriarchal formed response for us to appease to the patriarchal society by tailoring ourselves, to be, you know, not too much. So we do not uh, shatter that system. So that is the second layer. That is the social mother wound. That is the pain that is caused by just being a woman in a patriarchal society. Because culture is, our culture is very patriarchal. Whether you're white, whether you're Indian, whatever, we are existing in a very patriarchal society. And then there's the ancestral mother wound. And this is um, now we've seen, you know, a lot of science around how trauma is passed down from one generation to the next. And this is how trauma changes how our DNA expresses itself, right? If we experience great grief, whether it's racial trauma, whether it's genocide, whether it's um, a murder in a family or death in a family that caused great grief in the mother, that can be passed down to the child. 
So this is something that we get from the mother. And we also see this with, with the recent studies about the Holocaust survivors and how their children are also born with PTSD. So when we do not heal uh, from the traumas that we're experiencing at the moment, our children might be born with you know, the same symptoms that we're experiencing as a result of having experienced that trauma. So there's, that three, there's those three layers to the mother wound, the personal mother wound. This is how my mother treats me. It's horrible. I hate it. You know, this is the pain of, of that relationship. But then there's the culture part. And then there's the ancestral part. So it's much more layered. And um, we see the symptoms of it throughout our society. It's, it's funny, like I'm sitting here just listening and integrating all of it and also feeling it yeah. in so many of those layers because I personally can feel all of those layers yeah. within my own body. And mm -hmm. I just want to also hold space for anybody who's listening yeah. that might have felt a certain sensation in their body mm -hmm. as they were listening to this moment, because it can be really painful to hear some of these things because you go, oh shit, awareness, 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 mm -hmm. something is happening within me. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to know, like, I mean, obviously I'm feeling a bodily sensation of just like tingling, but what are some of the key indicators that somebody is ready to begin healing that wound? That is actually the first one. When you start hearing about the mother wound or someone speaks about something and your body reacts in a certain way, it's showing you that there's something in you. Remember, even though we might forget the things that happened to us, our body remembers, it always does, you know, and it gets triggered by different things. You could be watching something on TV, someone could be saying something and your body just reacts in its own way. You don't understand what is happening, right? So those body sensations, when you hear uh, someone speaking about their mother wound, someone speaking about their relationship with their mother, reading a text about the mother wound, um, that is one indicator that, you know what, it's time. You know, this is something that is that you have to deal with. Um, but also another thing is just coming to the awareness that, you know, there's something better. This is not it, right? Whether it's your relationship with your mother and it's just going to a point where it's tiring, right? And, and you're thinking to yourself, there must be something. There must be something out there. There must be a way to fix this. There must be a way that I could feel good about this relationship or to feel good without this relationship so just that awareness of um that this is not enough what i'm experiencing or you know just how my relationships are um, i think it's one of those things where they say you get sick and tired of being sick and tired when you get to that yeah. stage right <laughs> then you know that no it's time it is time for me to do something about this. And also, I realized that sometimes when we need things in our life, they just come up for us, right? Um, some people do not realize that they're ready, but then they come up, I mean, they come across texts around the mother wound or they come across my page, even though I don't promote my post through someone else. And they're like, oh, so these things come to you as well. So the universe way of showing you that you know, it's time you need something like this and you can keep that call and, and begin to try to research on how you can heal bad wounds for yourself. So for some of you listening, 
today might be the day. Like you may yes. have heard, you may have right. heard the, the phrase before you might've heard like mm-hmm. mother wound. You might've seen a post about it. You might've seen a hashtag. And then today here we are with this beautiful woman talking about the mother wound. And this is, this is your moment where you're like, shit, I guess now I have to, <laughs> I have to start working on this. I'm really interested. What came up for me when I was listening to you share was the, the intergenerational part, because I think something so interesting is that when you start addressing the mother wound, I, I feel Mm -hmm. like, especially in my personal journey, there was a time when I kind of had to go at it from the side because I was so wounded that it, that facing the wound head on felt like Mm -hmm. too much. It felt overwhelming and I couldn't even get near it. I didn't have the energetic capacity to get near it. And so being able to focus on almost like Russian nesting dolls on the outer layer of the wound, which is the collective layer, which has a lot to do with our intergenerational trauma Mm -hmm. that felt more accessible to me in the beginning. And it's so crazy, you know, what you're saying about just us inheriting that trauma. And I, I know I've shared this maybe once before on the podcast, but there is, there was a study that was conducted and I read about it in Dr. Mm -hmm. Valerie Rain's book, the patriarchy stress disorder. And it's about the, these lab mice where they would shock their feet with electric shocks and then introduce Mm -hmm. the smell of cherry blossoms to them. Yeah. And what would happen, you know, for you guys listening is that though they then bred those mice multiple times. And I think it was up to like three generations after those mice, they wouldn't shock them. They would just introduce the smell of cherry blossoms to them and they would register a trauma response in your body. Mm -hmm. And like that, I remember hearing that and like my blood running cold because it was so like creepy. And also it just brought into such clear perspective. Like if that's happening in mice, it is sure as shit happening to us. Like it's definitely happening to us. Mm -hmm. And this is yeah. also and just so how pigs, right. yeah. Sorry, you can finish. Oh, no, I was, I, I was going to say, I guess, like, if I'm boiling that down to a question, that was mostly me just being like, aha, like light bulb in my head. Mm-hmm. But also, I guess, boiling down to the question, when you're working with your clients around this, helping them move through their individual mother wounds, yeah. it, in what way do you focus on? Like, what types of things do you focus on helping them resolve in intergenerational trauma? What does that work look like? Well, first I would have to hear their story, right? Um, what is the one thing that is really, really bothering you? There are some experiences that um, we have or some feelings that we have as well that have no coloration whatsoever to our experience, right? You have this depression, but things are going great in your life, right? So you're asking yourself, what is happening to me? And you'll find that you're carrying um, emotions that do not belong to you, that belong to a uh, past generation, someone in your family that is seeking resolution to you. So that is the sort of thing. And also your mother as well. What did she go through when she was pregnant? So mostly we're dealing with emotions and not specific um, experiences that are happening to people in their lives. So it has to come from your story because it's different for each individual, but you are right. Um, and also when we're speaking about um, intergenerational trauma, I think one thing that comes to mind as well is just how women have been tailored to react 
patriarchy, right? So we have the form response to patriarchy, like the people pleasing part of um, the trauma response to patriarchy. And this is because women have had to endure so much punishment it, for centuries, actually, due to patriarchy. And they've had to find ways to appease men as a way to survive, you know, the, the patriarchal society. And we see this going from generation to generation of women. And we still see it today, that one response, that women seeing men as some sort of like surprise, um, someone, you know, that sort of thing. And most people don't even see that it's a trauma response. They think it's, this is how it is. But it's that trauma yeah, response, yeah. Um, the form response being passed down from generation to generation of women finding that you don't even know where it comes from. I mean, you're a teenager and you find yourself, you know, trying so hard. To, we, do, we also do that thing where we're like, oh, I, I only have guy friends because guy friends are so cool and, and girls are so boring. <laughs> 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 and we don't realize it's that trauma response. We are simply trying to, our parents were our great-grandmothers and and, and grandmothers have equipped us with the spawn response as a survival mechanism, but we don't need it anymore. Women are not being killed for wearing pants anymore. Women are not, you know, being killed for not wanting to get married anymore. So we do not need that coping mechanism that was, you know, a response to that trauma. So there are many things, and also there's also just grief that happens in families that is passed down from one generation to the next and you feel this with anxiety with depression with a lot so with my clients it always has to come from their story and we're able to decipher it from that and and that whole portion you guys like that might be a moment that you need to stop and breathe to if this is the first time that you've heard like we've all been taught the you know uh fight flight or freeze as trauma responses maybe this is the first time you've heard of the fourth one which is appease so that part of you that feels like you're gonna die if like that person doesn't like you Mm -hmm. or if they don't agree with you or if you do something that offends somebody like that is an actual bona fide trauma response Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. in your body that could be a lot to take in. Yeah. Yeah. That fawn response is like something other. And, you know, one of the things that you said, which, which reminded me of my own like childhood and upbringing was this whole, uh, was, was the example you gave of like being the girl that only had guy friends Mm -hmm. because that was like the cool thing. Like I only have guy friends and that was me. And for the longest time, like I couldn't trust women. I couldn't trust women because, you know, I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't get to see what it looked like to have enriched, beautiful, supportive women relationships growing up that not only supported my mother, Mm -hmm. um, but also supported the other women around me. And so Mm -hmm. it's really funny because even for Kristen and I, this entire friendship of ours, we're like, we're healing so much just as friends. Yeah. And, this. and I think it's like so beautiful because both of us are also moms mm-hmm. and recognizing this part of the mother wound, we know impacts our own ability to mother in our own experiences. But I'd love to kind of hear from you. What have you seen in your work or the clients or the women that you've spoken to of how that impacts their own ability to mother? I think the biggest thing with, with mothers is the inability to show themselves great, right? And this, this mm. stems from their own childhood. Um you know, our parents want perfection from us. They expect you to be this good girl. You know, if you have emotions are not welcome. 
and and that sort of thing um, creates people who cannot allow themselves to make mistakes, who um, expect perfection from themselves. And this also goes into their parenting style. Because we are unable to show ourselves grace, we are able to show it to children. We beat them up for making mistakes, right? It's a huge thing. You made a mistake. It's just, they're just being a child. It's not a big deal, right? And also just not being able to regulate our own emotions because we grew up in households where there was always emotional trauma, where either people were yelling, there was, you know, um, or people like me who was getting beaten a lot. I was beaten with extension cords, with like all sorts of things. So I grew up in a household where people didn't know how to regulate their own emotions, especially the adults. So when you were a child, you knew that you were sort of in danger. Your safety was always violated um, because people did not know how to deal with their own triggers. They didn't know that they had to breathe through their own triggers and not have to hit someone because they were triggered, right? And because we grow up in such um, environments, it also becomes the sort of thing that we practice with children. And we don't realize this because when we are frustrated, the first thing that you're going to do is go back to what you're conditioned to do, right? Even if you want to do better, but if you do not have the tools around how to do that better, so if you do not have the tools around how to regulate your own emotions when you are triggered, you'll go back to what has been conditioned, what is ingrained in you. And that is the yelling, that is the hitting, that is, you know, the scolding, whatever, verbal abuse. Also. So when we are unable to show our own inner child grace, we will never be able to show our, our children that grace. So it's always best, I say this to all mothers, the first thing you want to do, because they always want to start at the top, right? What do I do? My child is, you know, I don't want to yell at my child and, and they want to know how to relate to this child but they do not know that the first thing that they need to do is to heal their own inner child. Because when they show that little girl, or that little boy the grace, right? They validate that, that little girl's feelings and they're affirming that little girl, you know, the self-talk is, is becoming healthier. That translates into the mothering. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I didn't have a kid until I was 30. <laughs> Right, I would say to people, I wait a little. I would not have been ready, y'all. Um, she, no, the cosmic, <laughs> the cosmic timing that that happened under was was definitely by divine design mm -hmm. because I, I, you know, similar to Joe, and I think a lot of women listening were prop were in that camp of mm -hmm. oh, I, you know, I don't. I don't have any girlfriends. Girls don't like me. Mm -hmm. Like girls are bitchy, dramatic and like all these things. And so we just hang out with boys because it's easier. Mm -hmm. And I do remember carrying that even into my early twenties. And then when I started doing this work to, you know, I didn't know it was the mother wound. Mm -hmm. I didn't know to call it that. Yeah. But when I started, you know, reflecting on the dynamics of my, you know, childhood relationship with my mom mm -hmm. and how that was continuing to perpetuate in different patterns as an adult, yeah. I got to a point where you know, sometime after 26, I would meet women. And if they would say that to me, if they're like, oh, I don't have any girlfriends. I'd be like, girl, you need to go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you don't have any girlfriends, <laughs> if you don't have girlfriends yeah. and you can't be friends with women, then that is an indicator that something needs to be yeah. supported and loved on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
but you did not have a mother figure that showed you or modeled a healthy, you know, sort of female relationship because your relationship with them was not healthy, right? And you carry this mistrust and even anger towards women. I don't think many of us realize just how our ego wants justice and sometimes revenge for our childhood traumas, right? Um, and we see this. Oh, 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 we're both like, hold on, <laughs> let's just shake that off a Wait, little bit. I'm like, we got to yeah. go back. Yeah. You said the ego wants justice for what that little girl didn't get. And that yeah. comes out as anger, yeah. like really intense anger. And it oh. also comes out as like, misplaced blame, right? Your mother's to blame. She was the one that didn't do the work or didn't know better and didn't treat you better. But it becomes um, the women in your life's problem now as adults is the, they are not to be trusted. I can't trust them. They will never reciprocate to me what I'm giving to them. But you, what you were saying is I did not have any of that with my mother. And, and it's just mm-hmm. your ego saying we need justice for this. These women need to pay, right? Um, mm. They can't be trusted. You shouldn't even treat them right as well. Love them as well. Don't give them your friendship. They don't deserve it. That's just your ego saying, I want justice for this. And sometimes it also wants revenge. And we see this in relationships. I say this mostly about men and their mother wounds. Is men who carry anger towards their mothers um, in regards to just their mother wound and how their mothers treated them. They go on to project that anger onto women in, in their adult relationships. Right. It's either they're starving those women of love because you don't deserve it. What they what they don't realize is they're angry at their mother and they do not trust their mother and they blame their mother, but they do not have the courage to say, Mom, you did not treat me right. I feel this way and this way. So it becomes the women in their adult lives problem. And also some of them actually go as far as abusing women out of that anger and out of that misplaced blame and out of that place this trust and also just I don't know being I don't know how to call it you know those things where um the man becomes so clingy that they want to know controlling they become really really controlling yeah. because they want the justice they want all that love that they did not get as children so they're thinking mm-hmm. this woman must give it all to me she must not have friends she must not have contact with her family she must mm-hmm. must belong to me I need all her love. Yeah. And what they don't she realize. She needs to sit here and love me. And yeah. And yeah. And what they don't realize is even as men, they, they, they are capable and can mother themselves and give themselves uh, and make up for all of that that was lost to them, children. Wow. I'm just like, uh, like brains exploding emoji. Yeah. Like I just. <laughs> That's that language. I've never heard that language around that. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to point out and, and thank you for bringing anger and, and revenge, mm-hmm. like bringing those words that are so not a, like revenge is not a word that's allowed in self-help, you of know, course. like everything is very like through the lens of compassion where yes. it's like, oh, we're just accessing deep compassion. And you're like, no, that little girl wants revenge. Yes. <laughs> <She> wants- <laughs> validating that, validating that part of the experience that is so real. And I think that not having permission to bring Mm. out 
anger and revenge and like those more like mm-hmm. yucky shadow yeah. emotions yeah. like that invalidates the experience and it adds a layer of shame on top of the wounding of that doesn't belong yeah it does i speak about also just how people speak about forgiveness but not wanting to speak about blame especially when it comes to the mother wound mm. uh, i see these codes mm. everywhere they're like um, you know, healing your mother wounds is about addressing this and this, but it's not about blaming your mother. And I'm like, but no, you have to blame your mother. The blame belongs somewhere. Where do you place it? Mm. If you don't place mm. it where it belongs, it becomes your shame. That's why many of us, mm. instead of saying, I was not loved as a child, we carry the shame that we are unlovable because we're not blaming, we're not placing the blame where it belongs. I was not loved. Who did not love me? my mother right but people don't allow you to say that people don't want you to say i was abused by who my mother right it's like oh no i was just abused as a child or you know and we end up carrying these beliefs i'm unlovable i'm not likable i'm a burden because we carry that blame as, as as our shame right now so the whole healing that does not make room for um those yuck emotions that you're talking about blame anger and and and, you know just mistrust and being able to communicate that people don't realize that that is another way of invalidating the inner child right it's not her shame we need to be able to say this and we especially when it comes to the mother wound um i feel like what we are peeling the layer bit by bit but people are still in denial when it comes to that it's still sort of taboo as much as they talk about it, they still want to talk about it in like a rosy way. So it's always, you know, you can help, but no blame, no, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. no anger. No. Well, like she didn't, she didn't know better. Like she did the best that she it's could, okay. which is true. It's, okay. it's not that that's not true, but, but it also does not invalidate the fact that you were hurt. Yeah. Like that. And also it doesn't invalidate that he was the one that hurt you. So when people say yes. you cannot blame, please blame, it makes no sense to me. No, yeah. we have to be able to blame. And also we can never be able to forgive for as long as we are unable to blame because they go hand mm. in hand. Who is to blame? Who are we forgiving? What are we forgiving them for? That is placing the blame and we should be able to make room for that. But like, And in my head, it translates to like radical responsibility. Yeah. It's like you have to put responsibility where it belongs, yeah. like when you were a child yes. to release inner child from that mm-hmm. so that you can take as an adult, you can take radical self-responsibility yeah. for your own shit yeah. after that. Yeah. But that doesn't happen until you free that little girl from the responsibility that wasn't hers. Yeah. 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 And I and I love that too because I always like say like energy has to transfer to somewhere else. Yeah. You can't just like release this like wounded thing out into the ether and it's gonna fucking come back. Like it's gonna find its way back somehow. And you've gotta ground that thing somewhere. And I love that you said to just place the blame back onto the mom. Yeah. And and it's funny because as a yeah, it's where it belongs. And even as a mom, for me, I'm just like, yeah, if I hurt you, please hold me accountable. Yeah. Hold me accountable because that's not my intent, but I understand that could be the impact. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's one of those things that I hope whoever's listening, like for the mothers out there, mm-hmm. when your kids need to hear you say, sorry you must, for something, yeah. yeah, must, you have to do it. You need mm-hmm. to be the one repairing as much as you possibly can for that little child yeah. and also your own inner child. Mm-hmm. Because when you're done, yeah. those children internalize 
whatever happened as being their fault. And that's where the shame comes. That's where all these limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves, about where we belong in the world come from, because we did not get that, I'm sorry, that was my fault, right? When there was the yelling, the beatings and whatnot, no one came and said, so we thought we deserved the violence. And this is why people grow older and become people who actually get in relationships where they endure violence or they endure the sort of abuse endured from their mothers because they think they deserve it. Because no one said, no, that's not your fault. And I reacted in a way that was disrespectful and I'm sorry. And that's sort of just prime as for this continuous abuse in, in our other lives. So we should. We should be able to express those emotions and we should be able to place them somewhere or else they just, like you said, they just come back to us. Boomerang. <laughs> Boomerang yeah. come back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so many good things. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things that is being shared and so many things that like, you know, just remind me of the healing journey of my own self. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of the things that you stated, I mean, I was, I was beat up by -hmm. my parents and by my siblings. So I had literally two parents, two parental figures in my household Mm -hmm. beating me for about four years. And it was really, really difficult. And it took me finally taking control, calling the cops, my brother, and actually getting my safety back by pressing charges on my brother so Mm -hmm. that that abuse would never happen and continue to happen. Um, And for me, I remember in my own healing journey early on as a teenager, the first thing that I had to do with my therapist was to actually place the blame on my family and place the blame on my parents and say they they were not the ones that kept me safe. Mm -hmm. And that happened for me at like 16 years old, but there are so many people who are still out there trying to figure out how to heal and what to do and how to actually recognize that. Like, what are some things that a person can do in the immediate moment to just, I mean, for lack of better words, but to, to mother themselves in a way that they weren't mothered before? Well, you have to, like you said, we have to, we have to validate that in a child. I think that's why you started mm. with placing the blame, because that's where the healing starts when you recognize that it wasn't your fault, right? Mm. So we have to place the blame where it belongs. That happened to me. I was a child. There was no way I could have defended myself. And also, I was a child. I didn't know any better. I was just trying to, um, you know, see how the world works. I was curious. I made mistakes. And I was punished for those mistakes. You know, it, it, it's not because I'm a horrible person. Many of us grow up thinking we're inherently flawed or there's something wrong with us because we got beat up for literally the smallest things. So you have to place the blame where it belongs. And that's the first step, validating your inner child's pain, uh, saying that was not, and I, that happened to you. Because there's also a lot of gaslighting that happens in most households. In my um, household, my mother would do something or say something to me and and I would cry and my dad would come in and say what's wrong and she would just die flat. Like it didn't happen. And it used to cost me so much pain and, and also just self-doubt also. Am I am I making things up? She knows this happened. Why is she saying this to me? So that whole lot of Deciding and invalidation that happens, you feel that by starting to validate your child. And you can start doing this by having a photo of yourself as a child and put it somewhere you can see it and just say something kind to that child, right? Or you could just start by saying it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. 
Um, I know this happened to you now as an adult, you know, taking space for that child and holding space for that child because now you have the capacity. As a child, you didn't. There was nothing you could do. You didn't even have the emotional capacity to deal with the sort of things that were happening in your life. Never mind healing. There was no way that you could have healed, but now you can. And now as an adult, you hold space as the mother figure for yourself. You can start by that photo say something, even if it's on your phone, like make it your screensaver or something and just say something uh, nice to that child. Positive self-talk, start affirming. I actually have a post about this on Instagram uh, for different stages of your inner child's life from when they were an infant to being a toddler to being a preschooler. You could start there. Validate them from when they were an infant. I'm happy that you're here I'm so excited to have you I'm so delighted right uh, these things are things that you need like remember we need to be seen we need to be heard and we need to be celebrated those are the biggest things especially for a child so we start them but because you experience so much trauma you also have to validate that pain and another thing that most people do not actually do because they want to do the whole good vibes only positivity only sort of thing is they do not allow themselves to grieve for that inner child. Mm. Cry for her, right? Most times she was absolutely confused, suppressed so much. Maybe if you were like me, you were even forbidden from crying, you'd be beat and then forbidden from crying. I'll give you something to cry about. So cry mm. for that inner child, mm-hmm. right? Well, however the grief comes as, if it's anger, express that anger. Obviously, in, in non-abusive way. Just express whatever is coming up as a way of you dealing with that grief. It's going to be anger. It's going to be the bargaining. All those um, stages of grief that you experience when you've lost someone, you experience when you are going to experience that when you allow yourself to start grieving for that pain that you experienced as a child. And you must make room for that because that's how you reach acceptance. That's how you release all those emotions that are pent up inside you because of that trauma. So start to validate your inner child, affirm her however you can, right? And then allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to grieve. This is the biggest one. People don't reach the part where uh, certain things don't trigger them anymore because they did not grieve for that inner child. They did not release those emotions. So that those are the three big things that you can do at the moment, mm. instantly. <laughs> you yeah. kill your inner child. I know for me, something that has been really prevalent, you know, lately, especially as I've become a mother, is that I I didn't really have the opportunity or even some of these tools, mm-hmm. you know, before James was born. And when I thought of comforting my inner child, it was normally uh, about bodily safety. You know, it was always about security Mm -hmm. because a big part of my childhood trauma was, you know, being poor and like having the lights shut off and like not knowing where food was going to come from and things like that. Mm -hmm. And just like feeling the stress of that, even if things weren't always that dire in the moment, Mm -hmm. it was like the stress of that and having it talked about where it was like, Ooh, it might be a real possibility that you guys don't eat today. You know, even if that wasn't true, it was just this like constant, like, Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah anxiety, like a lot of anxiety. And so I think before I became a mother, all of my inner like mothering was around like feeling secure, having enough, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And now that I have my daughter, James, 
I have the beautiful opportunity where she will be doing something. And I have this almost like bird's eye view where I can see her doing something that reminds me so much of me. Mm -hmm. And I like on one side of my brain, I can like see the scenario playing out me as a child and how it was handled. And then I can see her and I just see her in all of her pureness and all of her light. It like, she's not difficult. She's not rebellious. Mm -hmm. She's not like, she's not any of those negative things that were said to me about me. Mm So I have the opportunity to not only validate her, like in that moment, I'll be like, oh, you're, you know, you're expressing yourself Mm -hmm. like way to use your voice, you know, kind of like, as long as you're not hurting anybody, growing property, like you are, you are welcome Mm -hmm. to like emote all over the place. But then I will take a moment for myself. Like after she has been comforted and taken care of, it's almost like an internal dialogue where it's like, you are not difficult either. You were not not difficult at all. You were just like her. Yeah. You were just like her. You were just expressing how you felt mm-hmm. and like that's okay yeah mm. that is yeah. where the grace come from when you start giving yourself that grace that you know what I, I was just a child I was being a child like all children should be curious energetic you know want attention and all of that and and when you give that yourself that validation and that grace then it overflows into your child you, you cannot mm. in any way be what your parents were to you because now you're precious to yourself. And our parents were not. They did not give themselves that sort of grace. Um, and also there's a lot of things that were involved in the sort of um, their lives. And also when you speak about poverty, I think about also the fact that I grew up in poverty and, and there was a lot of stress in that. And I think about how... My, emotionally unavailable my mother was when I was a child. I felt that she hated me, that she didn't want to stay. I felt that in all of my body that I did I remember when I think about me as a six year old or five year old, I think about, you know, this child who wanted to avoid her mother because I I just felt like she didn't want me. Like she hated me and she didn't want me anywhere near her. And, and now I recognize, because one time I had a conversation with her and, uh, and I was like, wow, you were so something else when, <laughs> when I was growing up. You were just not there. I, I didn't feel your presence. And, and she would say to me, and she said to me, this to me in passing, because she, just, and she also has a whole lot of trauma of her own, which obviously does not mean that I have to endure that. Um, I also have to look back for myself. But she said to me in passing, and she says, well, I, I honestly felt like a paper, like a piece of paper. That's how she described it. She was not even present within herself. She, she, there, was, there was just so much going on. She had children young. She didn't know what to do. She was unemployed. My dad was just having the time of his life. And though he was working sometimes, he does not come home. So there was that stress as well in her life that was contributing to her being unavailable for me. And also, I suppose, not knowing what to do with me, right? And, and that translating to me and me feeling that, that I wasn't wanted, but also just that sort of pattern continuing. I think we just, when there's a, a break in the flow of love in, in the mother-child relationship, when the mother does not, in an effort to re-establish it right it, it just continues 
and I feel like with my mother and me it just continued well into my adulthood and it hurt a lot and I made excuses for it and I, I tried all sorts of things I, I felt like it was my responsibility to make that relationship work and um, if I could just give more if I could give more money if I could you know take care of my siblings if I you know and and it just didn't happen for me and 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 got to a point where I was like okay I'm done um yeah well and that that brings up a this is the last question for me and then we'll we'll go into our um end of the show <laughs> fun that we like to have with guests <laughs> right. um unscripted but totally totally safe don't worry right. uh but just around this i think a lot of women who have experienced or anyone listening mm-hmm. men women like we're as you now know like we all experience the mother wound mm-hmm. however our dynamic with our our mother was whatever needs were not met mm-hmm. like those come back to haunt you until they are <laughs> addressed cool. but for so many who still have maybe they still have their mother in their life mm-hmm. and maybe they're getting this awareness mm-hmm. and i know that I definitely went through a period where when the anger was present, there was a part of me that really badly wanted to hash everything out with her, like directly. Like I wanted Mm -hmm. to be confrontational about it. I really wanted to be, and I realized what I wanted. I wanted her to validate my pain. Like I wanted her Mm -hmm. to validate what she did is what I wanted. Um, I never got that obviously. And I, I tried that in several different ways and it never quite worked out. And so I think the question that I'm wondering on behalf of everyone who's listening, who hasn't navigated this, Mm -hmm. like, how do you, you know, determine kind of like what is yours to heal and like what needs to be healed with your actual mother, if anything, like, is there any part that needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. with the other person? Or is this like completely, this is something everyone should be able to handle or like do on their own. The mother doesn't actually need to be a part of it. Well, you know, most people are not going to like this answer, but it, it all lies on you. <laughs> I yeah, also yeah. try. I also try. Medical responsibility, maybe. Yeah. Um, I also tried the whole, you know, I'm going to bring it up with my mother. And, and I was naive. I thought, you know, she's going to be welcoming to it. You know, this is your thing. My child is healing. Um, she wants our relationship to work. And, and I thought that. I thought, my siblings will also be welcome into that and they will think about their own motherhood and we'll just all heal together and it'll be like this beautiful family of healing people. <laughs> and <laughs> and um and what I got was the worst pushback, right? And obviously people are trying to project their own um, you know, narratives about all their own beliefs about what a mother is in, in terms of my siblings. Um and also just my mother, you know, protecting her own persona or whatever. But I got the worst pushback and my mother took it as a personal attack. My siblings thought I was ungrateful. And, you know, there was a whole lot of elements in this. I actually posted something along those lines to say how the mother is the most connected and revered individual in the family and the community. And when you go at her, even if it's not going at her, but just saying, well, you hurt me in this way. It kind of just, you know, sort of, creates this pushback from not just her but siblings your dad maybe the church if you're a church person and if you ever bring it up on social media there are also people that are going to say to you still your mother family is everything blood is bigger than water you must do this 
conflict resolution will give you all sorts of things that they think you know you're supposed to do um to have a good relationship with your mother so it all lies on you it really does i also didn't get the validation and most of the people that i coach never get the validation and you just have to get to a point where you accept that this is it this is who she is and and also what i like about accepting or radical acceptance of the mother is then you can decide do i still want to continue with this relationship as it is right because when you still have the hope of of maybe getting the validation or the hope of the relationship working out in some way you get stuck in this loop of you know giving so much of your energy to her whether is you know asking her all sorts of questions Oh no. I'm sorry oh, about that. I'm getting I'm getting a call. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, I'm getting a call. I don't know why this person's calling me at this time. Um someone's calling her because they're having a mother wound crisis <laughs> <laughs> in this moment. Hang up, Jody. We're still talking to her. <laughs> so yeah, most people don't get the validation and you you take your power back and I always I always say this, you take your power back by accepting your mother as she is. Right. If she decides one day to do her own work and she comes back to you and says, "Well, I got this realization, and and I'm sorry for this. That's great." But most people never get that, right? And you have to make peace with that. But you know what? I'll be okay. Whether it comes or whether it doesn't come, I'll be okay. I'm radically accepting her as she is. I'm taking all of my energy back to myself because you're going to need it. You're going to need all that energy, the one that you were given to your mother. for you to be able to then heal your mother wound. So radically accept her um and if it means setting boundaries with her, uh limiting contact or like me distancing yourself, you know, do whatever feels um good or it feels right for you, right? Because you are going to need all that energy that you're giving to her. You're not going to get it. really often uh this is sad for most people to be waiting forever yeah. yeah you are you are and that's just giving you that's an energy leak right when you yeah. think about that waiting that hoping that you could use all that mm-hmm. energy for your healing even just you know projecting it to your children in a good way or or even starting a project do something just take it away mm-hmm. from your mother she's had it for a long time she's an adult and she she cares about this relationship you will do the work it's available for anyone who wants to do it you know how they say the teacher cares but the student is ready it's like that even with healing the tools come to you the people come to you uh you see it somewhere um your mother also has that access the universe offers her that opportunity if she wants it and and you just have to accept her for who she is most people think the whole acceptance acceptance thing means well I accept her as she is and it means I accept the abuse as well so you don't have to you accept that that is who she is whatever happened in your relationship happened and and you can decide for men do I want to continue with this relationship as it is do I want to limit contact do I want to set strict boundaries around how I want to be treated how I want her to treat my children so if your mother is still in your life um and and let's say she's still actively abusive to you 
then you don't have to bring anything up to her. You, you can honestly just heal on your own and, and not even, you know, talk to her about your mother wounds. You could validate your own self. You could self-mother yourself. So you don't have to bring it up with her at all. You really don't. And also, I realized that for most people, that confrontation then sends them back to probably square one <laughs> because they would have done all this work and they're feeling good about themselves. They're like, you know what? Maybe I should bring this up with my mother and the mother gets it, invalidates them, gaslights them and, and all sorts of things. Then it's back to the inner child feeling unsafe, feeling, you know, violated and all of that and having to feel that part again. So, yeah. Well, because she hasn't been, she has not been doing all that work. Like mm-hmm. you have been growing of and changing your person, yeah. but yeah. your mother has not been. Mm-hmm. So she's hanging out where she's always been. Yeah. So and she might hang out that's... there forever. And she might hang out there forever. Yeah. So the best question mm-hmm. to ask yourself is, if this situation continues forever, um, will I be okay? Mm-hmm. If the answer is and no, I think I just... then what do I do about it? And then yeah, from yeah. there, you could come up with ways that you could set boundaries, that you could choose yourself. Um, and you can navigate that relationship in a way that does not continue to abuse you. Because you're an adult now. Your mother cannot hurt you in the same ways that she hurt you as a child. But you think that because your inner child is still stuck in that state of, you know, fear for the mother. You're not there anymore. You're an adult. You could move out. You could have your own family. You could have friends that support you, you know, and, and that knowledge allows you to then realize that you don't have to put up with so much of what you used to put up with as a child. And it's important for the listeners too, for all of you guys to know, like if you need, if you need permission, as Joe likes to say, permission granted, <laughs> like if you ask, if you sit with yourself and you ask yourself, mm-hmm can I accept my mother like she is forever? And the answer is no, mm-hmm. you're allowed to leave that relationship. Yeah. Like you totally yeah. are, mm-hmm. even if she's not like, even if you're not allowing full-blown abuse anymore, mm-hmm. like if she is not contributing to your life or respecting you as a human being yeah. or supporting you decide that you cannot make space for that, you don't have the capacity yeah. That is okay. Like yeah. you are allowed mm-hmm. to, and, and you know, exactly like Moshe Tati was saying earlier about this kind of like double-edged sword where it's like, you know, with the mothers, you know, she's to blame for everything. And then also though, like you can't do anything. You can't set any boundaries. You can't get rid of her. She's your mom. You have to yeah. talk to her. What if she dies? And I'm like, we are all going to die. Like, we are like, all going to die. We are really all going to die. Yes, everyone. Yeah. So be happy die. before you die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, before you die, be happy. And if your mom makes you miserable, then maybe she should go. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Like, that's okay. You're allowed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because I remember in my own healing journey, because it started off so early for me, like mm-hmm. so early on. One of the things that came out of like therapy, and I, I will never forget this. I think I was like 17, but I was like, you know, I'm going to be buried by myself in my grave or cremated mm-hmm. by myself. Like no one else is going to be part of that process. So whatever I need to do needs to make me happy no matter what, not my Mm -hmm. mom, not my dad, not my family of origin, none of that. And I remember my therapist looking at me like, you're 17 years old and this is the truth that you're coming to. And I'm like, yes, like, yes, yes. Most people are in their 60s and they can't. Yeah. Most people are in their 60s and, and they still cannot, they still think there's nothing I can do about this. It's just how it is. 
you know, for you to have realized that at 17, that is huge. And I wish more teenagers could realize that, that, you know, they're worthy of a life that is without that sort of case. Mm. 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 <sighs> deep breath I'm ready to shake yeah. it out <laughs> discharge, discharge yeah yeah I mean I, I love I love what you just said there at the end of just that you are worthy of a life without pain yeah and without suffering yeah. because I mean every single one of us are deserving of that and I think so many women believe that their life cannot be filled with pleasure and joy yeah and, and that is part of our motherhood. Yeah. 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 Oh, that was so good. Kristen, do you have anything like? <sighs> I think, no, I think just space. Yeah. Space and so much, so much gratitude. There's, we always like, we always end the show with like a fun, a fun thing that we do. Mm-hmm. But I just, I do, I want to take a moment to just acknowledge the amount of uh, mic drops and hard truths mm. and love and compassion and wisdom that mm. you've brought to our space and to into our lives. Like you've said things on this topic that I haven't heard before and have definitely given some frames that have ignited like a new level. It's like the next level of healing, like yeah. even for myself personally. So thank you so much. Well, thank yeah. You thank you for me. that light. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is so much fun. Yeah. Actually. So- I was like, I'm going to talk yeah, to well, people. I'm used to talking to you. Well, we still have some fun left because we always like to lift things up, which is okay. a little bit of, of fun. Um, and I, I personally love like conversation cards. They're a thing here at my house because mm-hmm. When, when, when I'm raising two other younger women, mm-hmm. we need to be in conversation constantly. And I want to yeah. know what the, what's, what's in their actual hearts. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled this from a game called We're Not Really Strangers. And we've got two questions and we like to just kind of go around. Okay. We'll ask you them first and then we'll ask, we'll answer the same okay. questions as well for ourselves. All right. We have not studied them in advance. Yeah. So we do not have prepared. I doubt that. Okay. <laughs> So the I don't first, have time to study in advance. Yeah, we're, we're, we're busy healing our mother wounds because okay. it's really yeah. complex and multi-layered. So <laughs> you didn't have time for this. Okay. I've no. <laughs> so the first question I've got for you, Moshitari, is who is a woman in your life that inspires you to be a better person? And why does she come to mind? Um, let me think of one. I'm not thinking about a woman. I'm actually thinking about someone who is 17. Why is this weird? Right? So, my little sister. No, she can be a woman. Yeah. No, I'm not thinking about like she's a young woman. You know, a young woman. And, um, well, I like this particular child, or for a child, because <laughs> she's so true to her. I like this child because <laughs> she's so true to herself, right? I, I didn't have that sort of confidence when um, I was her age, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it sort of inspires me to also just be confident in what I do. Because with the mother wound as well, I mean, it took me time to start sharing about, you know, the, the things that I know, the things that I found out in my journey and whatnot. And she was one of the people that said, oh, you're really smart. You are so, so smart. Just go for it. And also, I like that this kid hold on to her energy you know um those people that don't allow you to come and either gossip about other people or 
drive them into sort of your turmoil and what, what's happening in your life. And I always say to my other youngest, I'm like, you know, this one, this one is like from another dimension. Mm, he's here mm. to save us, that sort of thing. Mm. So um, I love her for that. I really, really love mm. her for that. I don't know why oh. she was the one that came up. I know a lot of really good women who are doing amazing things. But this child. <laughs> It's perfect. That child, that, that woman child, she's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about you, Kristen? Oh, it's so funny because even as I was sitting here, like rereading the question and on the tail end, I, I don't know if the answer would have been different, a different day, mm-hmm. but my, uh, my best friend, Nicole comes to mind. Mm-hmm. She, it's so funny. I love her so much. It makes me cry to even mm-hmm. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just love her. She's, um, she is one of the first people. I mean, I met her right around that time when I was really like getting serious about my radical self-responsibility and kind of getting on board with the self-development, self-growth, like really starting to understand when Mm -hmm. I felt like I was making connections and she just embodies so much grace. Mm -hmm so much compassion. Like she's, we used to work together. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. And they used to joke and they would say that we were a team. And like, Nicole was the velvet bag to my hammer Mm -hmm. because I would just come in like, wham. And she was, she just, (laughs) she softened me Mm -hmm. so much, but it was because she just gave me the space to just be me. And she just loved me. Like it still does. She's still here (laughs) (laughs) so much, even on my wildest like most unhinged, like roughest, just crassest day. She's like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. You're just so smart. Like she just calls to the best parts of me all the fucking time. Like even when I can't see them, she just mirrors that back to me. And I just, oh, I fucking love her. I love you, Nicole. (laughs) We all know who's getting a text message after this podcast. (laughs) No, I'm just going to let her listen to it. I'm going to let her find it. I'm going to let her find it in her car. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about it. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, it's funny because for me, uh, Moshitati, when you were saying this like 17 year old, my daughter is actually 17. Yeah. And she is the one woman in my life that like inspires me to be a better person. Every why are we all crying every single day? Sorry. And don't make me cry. And I think about it and I think about just like, it's, it's interesting that we're having this conversation on the mother one, because I think about the ages of my kids Mm -hmm. and they were such pinnacle moments of my life where I needed my mom Mm -hmm. the absolute most. And like the fact that my girls are at those ages, I'm like, ah, you are the woman, you are the women in my life that inspires me to be a better person, to continue my healing, to do whatever it takes, mm. whatever it takes so that I do not pass on my wounds onto you so that you don't continue to hurt people around yeah. you. And so that you can know that you're fucking bright and beautiful and expansive and amazing and wild to just be whoever the fuck you wanna be. Like yeah. it's, it is that person. I love that we're all crying at this point. <laughs> I was like, we're going to have some fun. We're going to lift it up. And now we're, we're going to have fun. This is the fun you guys are talking about. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Maybe Sorry. pick a more fun question next time. 
god, it's a Scorpio in me. You know, we gotta like oh uproot god. all the emotions. Of course. Yes. <laughs> well, I know a way to make us feel better instantly. Yes. Can we talk about how <laughs> Moshe Tati has the best boobs I've ever seen? On- <laughs> ever? Like, <laughs> look at those. I wish y'all could see them. Like, oh my god, they're the most beautiful breasts I've ever seen, like in my whole life. <laughs> they're like they're like my best teacher. <laughs> Well, thank you for bringing them <laughs> to the show. You are most welcome. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I've been staring at them the whole time, and like, yes, I have. I've been listening, but I've also just been lost in like a meditation in your cleavage. Well, thank <laughs> I'm you. so glad you brought I'm... that up because for <laughs> for a minute, I was like, "Am I going to be able to get?" I was like, "Are we not going to?" I just want to look at her tits. Guys, it's like, do we say something? Do we not say you. something? She could take it the wrong way. Tomorrow I'll be wearing my cleavage out because you guys just get yes. me up. Um, We're yes. celebrating them. We're going to celebrate honor all the things. Oh, Thank yes. you. That was so Blessings much. upon the girls. Oh, man. You know, I want to ask the last question, but I also kind of want to leave it at this laughter. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should. No. Yeah, I don't think we should. Yeah. This is all about courage. It's, yeah, it's about courage. Courage, courage yeah, to no. show the cleavage, please. Yes, we'll, we'll save courage for a different day. But, uh... Yeah. This feels like oh a good place God, to end. Yeah. But before we go, the last thing I want to do is, Moshe Tati, would you tell everyone listening how, if, if you are open to new clients, like how people can find you, work with you, how mm-hmm. they can be guided and nurtured by you through this really powerful and essential process? So I'm, I'm both on Instagram and Twitter as Healing with Mo. So that's Ed Healing underscore with underscore more, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. And- both on my bio, there is a link that you could follow to book a session with me or even do an online course around healing. That easy. Amazing. I will put that in the show notes yeah. so that you guys get your underscores in the right spot. Right. Make sure, make sure that they can find you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Moshi Tati, you are a gift. You're a dynamo. You are yes. such a gift. Dynamo. You're a di- dynamo, dynamo gift. Boobalicious siren. You're all the things. Self-healing siren. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna change myself to something along boobalicious. The boobalicious coach. The bodacious <laughs> booby healer. <laughs> that sounds amazing, actually. Yes. Yes. I help you do your breast work. <laughs> Oh, you got jokes, Kristen. I do. I have a couple. (laughs) Pun fully intended, you guys. Oh Oh my God. Okay. Well, we're obsessed with you and with your work. Again, just there's there's really no words. We're not going to keep going because it'll get obnoxious. But thank you, thank Thank you from the bottoms of our hearts and the tops of our tits. We just (laughs) grateful. We're so grateful for having me. My tits love to be here. Thank you folks so much for listening. If this conversation tickled your fancy, opened your mind, or gave you permission to simply express yourself a little bit more authentically, share with a friend, rate us on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 